0: Shapers on Jazz FM Listen in colour In partnership with Mishkondorea It's business, but it's personal Unreroute the rivers Let the damned water beat There's some people down the way that's thirsty
1: So let the liquid spirit Free The people are thirsty Cause of man's unnatural hand Watch what happens when the people catch wind When the water hits the banks of that hard Dry land Clap your hands now. Go ahead and clap your hands now. Clap your hands now. Go ahead and clap your hands now. Mm-hmm.
0: That was Gregory Porter with Liquid Spirit here on Jazz FM. Good morning, it's me, Elliot Moss, and it's Jazz Shapers. It's the time of the week where you get to hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. My business shaper today is none other than Daniel Galvin. He is one of the kings of the hairdressing world. He's been hairdressing to the stars for many many years Ewan McGregor, Nicole Kidman, The Beatles Twiggy, Adele just to name a few, a phenomenal roster of people that are staunch followers of this man they call Daniel Galvin. You'll be hearing lots from him very shortly. In addition to hearing from Daniel you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea some words of advice for your business and some great music of course from The Shapers of Jazz, Blues and Soul including Jose James, guitar great Wes Montgomery and this from Marcus Hill That was the tranquil sound of Marcus Hill with The Essence. Daniel Galvin is my business shaper today, hairdresser to the stars, businessman who's created an empire, spawned a generation of people, mostly his children actually, who are in the, in the hairdressing world. <laughs> Daniel, it's a <coughs> fantastic honour and a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for joining
1: me. Thank you so much. It's really great to be here.
0: Thank you for inviting me. Absolute pleasure. Now, Tell me a little bit about how you started in the world of hairdressing. What happened? I I know that obviously your father was a hairdresser, his father before, before him. Did you have any choice in the matter?
1: Did I have any choice in the matter? I think the best way to explain it is that being a young guy, a young boy of thirteen years of age, I needed pocket money, and I'd done all the things like paper rounds and working in sweet shops and that sort of thing. But what I started, decided to do was to start working for my father on Saturdays, which I did, you know, to buy my first records like rock around the clock etc those sort of things for six and sixpence but uh, i used to work in his shop sweeping up the hair and hanging up the towels and it was absolutely incredible because uh i went back the second week and there was such an incredible atmosphere in this salon and all the debating going on and almost like to arguments but they weren't really arguments but it was like quite aggressive debating you know with the customers and and the stylists and i thought this was really fantastic you know it was just so interesting what was being spoken about and i went back the next week and it was the same thing all over again but with all different people and again the third week and i thought this is really great you know there's no way i could go and work in an office and see the same people day in day out i just thought that would be so boring so in actual fact i did actually get the fever or whatever you want to call it to go into into the hairdressing industry so i actually did you know i chose to go into i chose to go into the ladies side not like my father my father was in the men's side and he was one of the guys that started the first men's blow drying of hair back in the sort of 50s
0: and and ladies <clears throat> ladies were right for you why, why was that do you think it was just you were being different from your dad or you just thought it was more fun
1: well i don't know what well, number one i prefer to prefer to work with ladies Actually, uh, men can be be much more difficult than doing ladies' hair. That's for sure. But I love ladies around me. I love their company. I'm a ladies' man. You know, I'm not one of these guys that when you go out to... uh, party you know you end up talking to all the guys about the rugger and the football and the cricket you know i'm more i I get involved with the ladies talking about their hair and what they're doing beauty wise and so on that's just the sort of thing that turns me on just who you are find out much more from my business shaper daniel galvin who has as i
0: say, created an empire in the hairdressing world and has also involved his children you'll be hearing lots more about where they fit into the business time for some music this is jose james with it's all over your body So James with It's All Over Your Body. Daniel Gowman's my business shaper today. He's in charge of hair, actually, rather than the body. Um, And we were talking before about how the buzz, the vibe, the fever, as you said, got into you when you started going in on the Saturday to your father's salon um, and things went from there. Beyond that first buzz, because that's the atmosphere, isn't it? You don't know if you're going to be any good at this thing. You just know you enjoyed it. When did you start to realise, you know, you were going to be pretty talented, that you had something to offer beyond... Being enthusiastic about the atmosphere you found yourself in?
1: I suppose in a way it was a little bit awkward for me because I'm third generation. It started with my grandfather who works for probably the oldest hairdressing salon in the world called Trufit and Hills. And it's still there today, just off Bond Street. And my grandfather worked there between 1890 and 1910, when the Maharajas used to pull up in the coach and horses. And when he did here, he had to wear top hat, towels, and white cotton gloves. But he died. He was a Polish man by the name of Soselski. Soselski was the last name, not Galvin. He died when my father was one year old. And it's quite incredible, because when my father became 14, his mother remarried... And therefore, his name was Galvin. Then my dad, and he decided to go into men's hairdressing as well. And that's where I was obviously working on Saturdays. And the, but then I chose then to go into into ladies hairdressing, and uh, I went to several interviews the first place I didn't get a job they said why do you want to go into Ladies Hedges why have you chose that I said here there's a lot of money in it (laughs) didn't get that one funnily enough I didn't get that one but I did get into a job just off Baker Streets in Park Road and I started a three year apprenticeship there
0: and that was with, was that the Leonard Lewis No, job? that was no? with a
1: salon called Figaro. This is where I started my hairdressing career okay. full time as a junior doing a three year apprenticeship.
0: And there you knew in yourself that you were getting better at what you did. I mean, obviously, that's your first, that's your first proper apprenticeship. But was there a sense that you were comfortable doing what you were doing?
1: Not really, because I wanted to run before I could walk. I wanted to do these incredible way-out styles before I could even put a roller in the hair. So it was a pretty much a bit of a nightmare at that time. So after two years, I thought maybe I should go out to the suburbs whereby I'd probably get given far more of a chance of actually getting my hands dirty, getting hands-on, which I did. And that was where, myself being a junior, that I was told what to put onto ladies' lady's hair to colour their hair you know the senior would tell me what to do for their client I'd mix these colours up I'd mix two or three colours up and i put it on the hair and I would see the hair actually change colour and that to me was complete magic I just got a complete buzz with that. And I just got so fascinated. I thought this is for me because if I was to do a bob, I would think you've got a short bob, a medium bob, or a long bob. If you've got 20 clients a day, it's all the same. Mm. It's the way I'm thinking myself. Boring, boring, boring. Whereas with hair colour, you can actually have identical twins in, use the same colour on both of them, and one will come out slightly different. This This was the thing that really got me into it. But that's just the drop in the ocean to start with
0: and we're going to hold it right there that drop in the ocean is a good one because it's a colorful one and i think people can see in their mind's eye exactly why you got the buzz we've got the latest travel in a couple of minutes and before that some words of wisdom for your business from our program partners at dere.
1: i'm emma walcott i'm an associate in the reputation protection team at mishkondorea part of the private uh, department Businesses of all sizes need to be very careful about how they and their employees engage on social media. We advise all businesses to have a robust social media policy so that staff are aware what they can and cannot say on social media, either for business use or in their own time. Staff need to be well aware that what they say on social media, um, even on the weekends and in their own name, can have a very um, severe adverse impact on the business's brand and that may have um, ramifications for their employment.
0: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Rea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, I'm very privileged because I get the chance to meet someone who's shaping the world of business. My business shaper today is Daniel Galvin. He's the founder of the Daniel Galvin Hair Salon Empire. They're in the Corinthia Hotel. They're in um, Where else are you, Daniel? Your, your original place is over in Marylebone.
1: It's in George Street. So George that's Street. the biggest hair salon in Europe's 9,000 square feet. 120 people or something, is that 120 right? 120 people work so, in that one. A lot of people. Then we're just opening Kensington. Yes. We have a franchise in Beaconsfield. Uh, we've just taken over the Selfridges concession, whereby we're actually having a whole new salon built in Selfridges. Um... I think, I, see, I, see, I think that's there. enough, isn't it, for now? Yeah, that's enough, that's for sure.
0: Now, you, you, we were talking before about the initial <coughs> drop in the ocean. You said, you know, the two twin, you can get a pair of twins in, you can put colour in both the hair, <laughs> it comes out differently. There's only so many ways to cut the bob. That passion for colour that you adopted, that you found, that's really been your hallmark as, as you've grown through the, the decades. You left there your first job. You said you're a bit of a pain, and I can imagine anyone who's got ideas and innovation, you're young man, <laughs> is going to be a pain. You eventually went through Leonard Lewis. Then you set your own salon up. At what point did you say, I can do this myself, and why?
1: Firstly, what happened is that before I went to Leonard, my brother had just returned, Joshua, from the States, working in probably the biggest hair salon in New York at the time, which was the House of Revlon. And he said, Daniel, if you really like to do colour, which was really unheard of to specialise in colour, you should write to the top ten salons in London. I did that. Only one replied. And uh, in actual fact, they said they probably wouldn't need anyone for six months to to specialise in colour. But I did hear from them four days later, went back, started the following day. And it was in this salon that I had to learn by my mistakes because being a colourist, there were two people that did colour there that relied on 16 hairdressers to give them work. So whenever I would ask them, what should I mix to get this colour on this client's hair? They would turn around to me and say, well, if you don't know what to use, you shouldn't be doing it. You know you're not experienced enough. So I got no help at all at that time. Uh, so I had to learn by my mistakes. And believe me, even though I was the guy, even though I was the guy that invented crazy color in the late sixties. I was turning people key before it actually came into fashion, <laughs> nearly losing my job every week. But I was learning by my mistakes. Yeah. And then I ended up picking hair up off the floor and I would get black hair. I'd get red hair and I'd get blonde hair. And I might put, say, very light blonde on all three. I started to make my own shade charts to see how colour works. So I actually ended up teaching myself how to do colour. And all of a sudden, after about one year, things started to turn around and I was very happy working. In Knightsbridge at Olafson's, where I met my wife. And I had two phone calls in one week, one from Vidal Sassoon and one from Vidal Sassoon's ex top hairstylist Leonard, who had actually opened his own salon. From both of them. I saw two interviews and they both wanted me to work for them. And I actually chose Leonard. I chose Leonard for twelve pounds a week, not Vidal for fourteen, because I saw the opportunity was more open they didn't have anyone in charge of colour and it was like you know a great opportunity for me
0: and then from Le- how long did you stay at Leonard for About, was it a long time wasn't it <laughs> I was at Leonard for 15 years so a proper I mean beyond apprenticeship real time real solid time in a fantastic business and you obviously really learnt your trade I mean you were making less mistakes by then I uh, imagine uh,
1: well basically I wanted to do what Vidal Sassoon did to hairstyle and change the world I wanted to do the same thing for hair colour
0: Stay right there with me because we're going to hear what happened when Daniel changed the world of hair colour. Time for some music, though, before we hear that. This is Wes Montgomery with Tequila. Wes Montgomery with the Fantastic Standards Tequila. Daniel, we're talking about this moment, and I just feel like my world is about to be rocked. You are now on the edge of creating, as you said, I wanted to do what Vidal did for hairstyles, I wanted to do that for colour. What happened next? We're just at that point before you are going to say, Elliot, that's why I started my own business up.
1: I was so frustrated back in those days because, you know, I was like 18 years of age, and and, and, and all the hair cutters were like, you know, buying nice sports cars and lovely suits and so on, and I couldn't afford any of that because. Everyone wanted their hair cut, like Dallas soon, you know, was showing everyone how to do that. Color wise, they didn't want it. I'll go to clients and say, What about this? I've got a great idea for you. They end up, they end up saying, Please go away, Daniel. You know, I just don't need color. This is my natural color. This is the color I was born with. So this is the color that suits me most of all. My boyfriend doesn't want me to have color. You know, just leave me alone. And it was all that all the time. And it wasn't until I turned around to them and said, How would you like your hair? i got a great idea for you. How would your hair like your hair to look the way it did when you was like eight or nine years of age? They went, oh, well, it was like a bit lighter and it had lots of movement in and flashes of colour and it, it looked fabulous. I said, exactly. And this is how I really started to get a name for colour, which we called like movement of colour. And I actually designed a technique for highlighting, which had never been designed before. It's still used over the world. It's called Brickwork Technique of mm-hmm. Highlightings done like the way one builds a brick wall but the quick story behind that is that one day this this guy brought this young girl in the salon she had orange hair down to her shoulders and she saw leonard and she saw me and he said you know she would like to be a model what do you think and her hair was ginger because she'd been putting this heel tone peroxide on her hair and we thought yeah she looks great but not like a model because she was so skinny you know models are really quite Preumpious back in those days, uh, anyway, we took her upstairs and let her cut her hair to that short all over, like one inch all over, she looked like a little like an elf and it took me eight hours to put the lights in I had to keep putting them in and so until we actually got it right, and then she went along to the studio that night to be photographed. But what happened was, first of all, we called in the photographer, Barry Lattigan, and we called in the beauty editor, Deirdre McSherry from the Daily Express. And they thought she'd be great as well. So then she went along to have her pictures done that night. And the next day, there was a double page spread in the Daily Express. Uh, this young girl, and it was the launch of the world's first ever supermodel. <clears throat> her name was Twiggy. I've heard of her. Yeah, exactly. So the thing was, you know, like pop stars or top models, all the kids, they want the clothes, they want the shoes, they want the makeup and they want the hair. So as this was a brand new technique, this brickwork technique of highlighting, it was quite amazing what it was doing for me. I mean, for Twiggy, she took off like a rocket ship. She was greeted in New York like the Beatles. She was greeted in Tokyo like the Beatles. But the thing is with the hairdressing industry, they wanted me all over the world. I was going to Canada, to Australia, to the Americas, to Scandinavia, to Europe, teach them how to do this technique. So this was really my launch as well which was absolutely the real beginning and me bringing out all the different ideas
0: and the lesson in there I guess is that you need to know your craft and then you need I guess also a little bit of luck with the person you happen to fix the hair of and, and, and the rest sort of is history we're going to find out a little bit more about that in a moment um, final chat coming up with my guest Daniel plus we'll be playing a track from the young Brazilian singer Flavio Coelho that's off the latest traffic and travel Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea It's business, but it's personal. The beautiful and upbeat sound of Brazil at its best. Flavia Coelho with People Dancer. Daniel, how have you managed to build up this empire over the last four decades? How have you managed to ensure that the kids, who are no longer kids anymore, still obviously no, no nowhere near 50 for Louise, I know that for sure, um, but how have they all, you know, Daniel Galvin Jr. has got his own range, he's got his own salon, you've taken them with you. How have you managed to do that? How have you managed to build the business and still include all the whole family in it in
1: some way? Building the business, started in 77, terrified, absolutely terrified. Everyone said, opening a salon, specializing in color, it's not going to work. I put my house up, a security, and I was really a nervous guy for the first two or three years. But sure enough, it took off, and I, lucky enough, I was right. Uh, and we only started with 11 staff. <clears throat> As time went on, my kids came into the business like I went into the business to earn pocket money. You know, Daniel Jr. wanted to be a journalist. uh, Louise wanted to be a PR. And James wanted to be a car racer. But they came in and uh, eventually they thought, well, we'll stick to hairdressing. And that's how they actually got involved in it, but actually became part of it. And they loved every minute of it. And they still do.
0: And running the business, I mean, it's, no, it's, it's a pretty <coughs> serious undertaking, having in just one salon 120 people. You've got four other places now. These concessions, they don't just come about. You're obviously a very shrewd operator. Ha- Over the years, have you? who else has advised you? Are they key people that you look to, or is it all you?
1: No one's advised me at all when it comes to... Uh, the one thing that I didn't want to do, I didn't want to open chains of salons, lots of salons, I just felt if you open lots of salons, the standard's going to go down. Mm. I want to keep everything under one roof. I can't open anything bigger than what I've got now. And then basically the Corinthia came along. That just seemed a great thing to do. It's just yeah. a little small salon. Fantastic We hotel. can really keep, k- keep on top of that. Is The training is the most important thing. Everyone at Daniel Galvin Salon has been trained at Daniel Galvin Salon. We do not take people on that have been trained elsewhere. So all those 30 colourists alone will all work exactly the same. Once they really begin to get qualified, they might have their little tweaks that they do slightly differently because some are more artistic than others.
0: And is the buzz for you now 50 years into the profession, as it were, probably longer actually, over 50 years, is the buzz for you still what you felt that first Saturday when you went in and said, this is great, I'm with different people, look at the buzz, look at them, the argy-bargy
1: argument, is it still that? I love it. I love it so much. I love it. I just got so much passion, you know, for doing hair. And I've done the whole thing again, also in Japan. You know, we're massive out there in Japan. We have all our products out there as well for hair color. They say I'm the guy that's responsible for 60 million Japanese coloring their hair. Well,
0: that's not bad, is it?
1: I got my managers. They're all. They've all been trained from being juniors. So I've got managers of reception, uh, managers of of the first floor, the colorists, uh, the styling side, head juniors. So we really share it, and it's a fantastic business to be in because everyone. They all rely really on how much money they take a week, mm. so it's really like everyone's really running their own business. Uh,
0: we're going to run out of time, so I'm going to ask you the, the last question before we ask about your song choice. The the future for the business. You're you seem incredibly young at heart, and I should say young too. He doesn't. He, doesn't, he looks very very young. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, you're not. Are you at some point going to go enough, or is it just going to be until I can't get into the salon myself? I'm going to carry on going. I mean, what's it going to be, Daniel? Because are you going to you going to take a break and give yourself a pat on the back?
1: Yeah, I am definitely. I still love going into the salon, but obviously I do far less. And less and really, it's sort of being handed over to Louise and to James to really take it beyond. And and James, obviously, uh, you know, being being married, and all his responsibilities. You know, he's uh, he's going to be the guy that's going to be there full time, and it's going to be up to James to spread the name and to make it as big as he wants to, or to do whatever he wants. But hopefully, he takes my advice and keeps on top of it, and doesn't get too big.
0: I imagine he's going to be pretty independent-spirited like you were, though. So some of those things you might just say, thanks, Dad, but I'll be doing
1: my own thing. Oh, he
0: does now. I bet he does. He does now. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Just before I let you go, as I said, what's your song choice, and why have you chosen it?
1: My favourite song is definitely What a Wonderful World, Louis Armstrong. I think it's absolutely amazing. Very quickly, I'm a very spiritual person. I go to the Himalayas and I look at the sky and it's just magical, the blue sky. And I don't think we came from a Big Bang. And you see the birds flying and the clouds to the snow to the forest, right the way down to all the lovely people, down to scuba diving and all those wonderful colours down there in the ocean. What a beautiful world my God has given me. I think... That song says it all.
0: Here it is, just for you. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you.
1: And I think to myself, what a wonderful world.
0: What a wonderful world from Louis Armstrong, the song choice of my business shaper today, Daniel Galvin. What a totally colourful man with a colourful life and a colourful story to tell in all senses of the word. Utterly passionate about the hairdressing business and someone who fundamentally, before it became fashionable, had understood the importance of investing in future talent. And indeed, all his apprentices end up working in his salons. Uh, at least that's his plan, because he wants to hold on to his brilliant people that he has helped train. Fantastic stuff. Join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9 a.m. sharp, here on Jazz FM. In the meantime, though, stay with us, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM,
1: in partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, but it's personal.